Did you catch everything the fourth time around? Mrs. Randolph said, a slight smirk appearing across her face as she checked Alice in Wonderland back in. It wasn't unusual for Charlotte to go back to the library to check out some of her favorite books for the third, fourth, sometimes fifth times. She couldn't explain why she did it, but the familiarity of the books brought her a feeling of comfort. I thought I may have missed something in the final act. Can't leave any stone unturned, right? Interactions like these had become commonplace between Charlotte and Mrs. Reynolds, and despite the slight look of confusion that frequently crossed her face, Mrs. Reynolds was always very accommodating of Charlotte. Mrs. Reynolds was a kind woman, stern enough to command respect from the patrons of her library, but also compassionate and loved by everyone who entered the doors. Charlotte peered at the clock, 6.43. She still had 17 minutes before the library would close, and she would never pass on an opportunity to wander up and down each aisle and scan through the many books they had available. Not that one more look made any difference. After all, at only 15 years old, Charlotte read more books from the library in a month than any did in a lifetime. With the exception of the new releases section, Charlotte knew the layout of this library so well that she often found herself reciting which books came next alphabetically without even looking at the shelves to validate her work. Today, she chose to wander down the classic section, passing such names as Louisa May Alcott, Aristotle, and Jane Austen. Names of this magnitude had gotten early attention from Charlotte, and if you were to pick up any of their works, you would more than likely find a small stamp inside certifying that Charlotte Plumlee had checked it out at one point or another. Jane Austen's work had particularly stuck out to Charlotte. She had been struck with the beauty of Austen's writing, but had always felt uneasy about the prospect of marriage that Austen frequently wrote about. What did Charlotte need to marry for? She was more than capable of taking care of herself. Rest assured, if Charlotte had checked a book out, she could give you a near page-by-page recollection of its story and any extra information contained within its annotations. Charlotte's best guess was that this all stemmed from an overwhelming desire to complete whatever she started. If she started reading a book, she had to finish it, even if she hated it. It didn't sit right with Charlotte that she would have some undertaking left partially finished, and that passion, some may call it a compulsion, led to Charlotte ravenously powering through a few books a week. It had, of course, dawned on Charlotte that this endeavor was a fool's errand, a race that she was destined to lose. But the pit that this thought grew in Charlotte made her read even more. Charlotte figured that someday, years down the line, she would end up passing away peacefully with three or four books on her nightstand, 
books that she never completed. But she never dwelled on this thought for long. Instead, she would lick her thumb and turn the page, continuing the cycle. Lewis Carroll, Geoffrey Chaucer, Kate Chopin. When Charlotte had been very young, her grandmother had read her Alice in Wonderland, and ever since it had been one of her frequent reads. She had lost count of how many times she'd traveled through Wonderland with Alice, but she felt a sense of freedom when wandering through Carol's magical world. It seemed that in Wonderland, the explorer could create their own rules, tweak the established aspects of reality, and Charlotte couldn't get enough. Charlotte took one more glance at her watch, 6.51. She could work with that. William Faulkner, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Sigmund Freud, John Keats, Jack Kerouac, Rudyard Kipling. Charlotte was already considering checking out Alice in Wonderland again and then grabbing three new releases when she noticed a book that she hadn't seen before. It was a big book, easily 600, maybe 700 pages. In a sea of weathered, frequently creased bindings, this book remained pristine. The red binding of the book still shone as if it had been published yesterday. The only exception was the author's name, which appeared faded and altogether unintelligible. And above the author, there was no title, no indication that this was anything other than a bound set of blank pages. Charlotte knew that she had to pick this book. It didn't matter what it was. She had to read everything, assuming there was anything inside. And this book had yet to be added to her collection. Charlotte reached up and grabbed the book, and upon pulling it down, found no additional information on the cover. This book had no discernible title, no author. On the inside of the cover, she saw no publishing information. But then Charlotte opened the book. The pages were littered with photographs, biographies of different people, it seemed. A caption underneath a photo of a friendly-looking man stated, Richard Alford, loved by some, respected by all. Charlotte continued to scan the page and saw that this book seemed to know everything there was to know about Richard. Richard was born in Belfast, Ireland on May 21st, 1902 to Thomas Alford and Margaret Byrne, yada, yada, yada. Richard married Carol Yates on September 19th, 1925 in Cork, Ireland, yada, yada, yada. On February 11th, 1966, Richard Alford passed away from lung cancer at the age of 63. Charlotte had never heard of Richard Alford, Carol Yates, none of them. Why would they have been in a book in the library? Were they famous? Charlotte didn't think so, although she admitted her knowledge of celebrities wasn't exactly top-notch. Charlotte continued to flip through the pages, passing many entries similar to Richard's, each showing a different face and life story. Anthony Romano, born on July 15, 1936 in Brooklyn, New York, to Joseph and Gianna Romano. Karen Jefferson, born on April 21, 1911 in Nashville, Tennessee, to Carl and Lisa Jefferson. Charlotte assumed that it must be some sort of family heirloom, a scrapbook of sorts that was put together by the family that had, for whatever reason, been misplaced and found itself in the library. As she continued to aimlessly look over the pages, she saw something that caught her eyes. An older woman with gentle green eyes and a kind smile. Her eyes must be deceiving her, Charlotte thought. This woman looked just like her grandmother. Gail Plumley, born on October 2nd, 1898, in Worcester, Massachusetts, to Thomas and Agatha Plumley. Gail Plumley was arrested on September 7th, 1968, in Atlantic City, New Jersey, after protesting the Miss America pageant. Charlotte didn't know how to feel. This was her grandmother, her beautiful, loving grandmother, 
The woman who had sparked her love of reading had encouraged her to be independent and not to settle for what societal norms deemed acceptable. How could she not be happy to see her grandmother? And yet, something wasn't quite right. Charlotte felt uneasy. She couldn't shake the feeling that she had stumbled upon something she shouldn't have, access some information that no person should have access to. Gil Plumley passed away on December 14, 1977, surrounded by her friends and family at the age of 79. Charlotte's rapid heartbeat had slowed nearly to a stop and she dropped the book, letting it crash to the ground and echo throughout the otherwise empty library. Was she crazy? She raced over to Mrs. Randall's desk where the librarian was packing things into her bag and preparing to close up the library. It's 6.57, young lady. We're about to close. Mrs. Reynolds, what's today's date? Mrs. Reynolds recognized the concern fear in Charlotte's eyes, a fear she had never seen from her before, and her sunny disposition quickly became very serious. Oh, sweetheart, it's August 7th, of course. Stop playing games. Despite a weak chuckle, Mrs. Reynolds was clearly not amused. Of what year, Mrs. Reynolds? Oh, for goodness sake, of 1972, darling. What's gotten into? Before Mrs. Reynolds could finish her thought, Charlotte was off like a flash, weaving between shelves to return to the book she'd left in the aisle. Charlotte, I'm closing up. Come back here. What's wrong with you? Mrs. Reynolds' voice grew fainter as Charlotte continued to put distance between them. When Charlotte returned, the book was right where she had left it, resting on the floor, innocuous as can be. Charlotte reached a grab for it, this time more hesitantly than before. She wasn't sure what she expected to happen with the book, but she winced as she touched it, as if it may bite her if she got too close. Charlotte wanted nothing more than to move on, but something was calling her back to the pages. She found her way back to the page again to make sure her mind hadn't been playing tricks on her. Gail Plumley passed away on December 14, 1977, surrounded by her friends and family at the age of 79. Having had enough, Charlotte chose to flip to a different page in the book, determined to distance the image of her grandmother, which, once comforting, was now tormenting her. Charlotte heard the click-clack of Mrs. Randall's shoes echoing through the aisle, so she knew she only had a matter of seconds before she was told she had to leave the library. Charlotte looked down once more just to see, but no, surely it couldn't be. Charlotte Plumley was born on November 26, 1957 to Daniel and Alice Plumley. Charlotte looked at the photo of herself on the page. She looked the same, no younger, no older. She looked exactly as she did that day, much like her grandmother looked much the same in her own photo. She couldn't remember posing for this photo, nor could she imagine who would be interested in reading a biography on a 15-year-old kid. She turned the page and continued to read. Charlotte Plumley broke her ankle on September 27, 1967, after falling off her bicycle at the intersection between Culver Road and Flint Street. Charlotte blamed her dog for eating her homework on November 11, 1967, despite the fact she had forgotten to complete it. All at once, the weight of the contents in this book hit Charlotte. It seemed that this book knew just about everything about just about everyone. It knew or at least claimed to know when her grandmother would die, despite it being five years too early. Charlotte, dear, it's nearly seven. Bring whatever you're checking out to the front so I can lock up. Charlotte glanced at the book one last time. She didn't know for sure that this book was right. After all, she didn't know a Richard Alford. 
For all she knew, Richard Alford was alive and well. Or better yet, maybe Richard Alford wasn't even real, simply a figment of the author's imagination. Yes, that would be it. December 14th, 1977 would come and go, and her dear Grandma Gail would be healthy as can be. Charlotte would look back on this moment and laugh at how silly she had been. A 15-year-old girl believing something so absurd? Psh, no thank you. And yet, the thought of what may lie at the end of her section of the book stuck with Charlotte. What if this book did know something? What if she checked the date and found out that tomorrow was her last day? As she walked back towards the front desk, Charlotte started to panic. She found that the floor was quaking beneath her, making each of her steps less sure than the last. She wasn't sure what was wrong with her, but she felt as though the air had been ripped from her lungs and the door started to darken. Had Mrs. Reynolds turned the lights off on her? Is this it, dear? Charlotte gave herself a shake. When her vision cleared, she realized she had made it to the front desk. She lifted her hand and realized she was still clutching the book. Hello, Charlotte? Are you sure you're all right? Asked Mrs. Reynolds. You've been acting awfully strange today. Yeah, I'm fine. Sorry, Mrs. Reynolds. Just felt fuzzy for a moment. Maybe I'm hungry. Charlotte passed the book to Mrs. Reynolds, who looked at the book inquisitively. Isn't that funny, Mrs. Reynolds said, a pensive smile coming to her face. My first husband, Richard, had a book just like this. I never knew you were married, Charlotte said. Yes, I was married to my husband, Richard, for over 40 years, if you can believe it. He was a sweetheart, but one day he got sick and, well, best not to dwell on such things. Charlotte suddenly found herself with a new burst of energy, and before she could stop herself, she said, So your husband was Richard Reynolds? Oh, no. Reynolds is my husband's name now. But now that you mention it, I understand the confusion. You see, I've had so many names. I was a Yates until I met Richard, then I became an Alford, and now here I am a Reynolds. Mrs. Reynolds chuckled as she reminisced on her extensive designations over the years. I'd be more than willing to have a longer chat with you about such matters some other time, but it's about time you get going. Your parents aren't going to be happy as is with you wandering in so late. Mrs. Reynolds passed Charlotte back the book, and she cautiously took it, placed it in her bag, and exited through the grand wooden door of the library. Every rational explanation for how the contents of this book could be fictitious had been erased from Charlotte's mind, and she was left with an aching feeling in her stomach. She didn't know how she knew, but she was certain that whatever information was contained in that book, it must be true. She knew that much like Richard Alford and Gail Plumley, she too had an end to her story, and that book would know it. As Charlotte began to walk home, she looked over the railing of the nearby walkway and stared into the stream below. She wanted to take the book and fling it as far into the water as she could and try to forget all about it. But she knew she wouldn't. She couldn't. If she started reading a book, she had to finish it, even if she hated it. It didn't sit right with Charlotte that she would have some undertaking left partially finished, and that passion, some may call it a compulsion, led to Charlotte ravenously powering through a few books a week. It had, of course, dawned on Charlotte that this endeavor was a fool's errand, a race that she was destined to lose. But the pit that this thought grew in Charlotte made her read even more. Charlotte figured that someday, years down the line, she would end up passing away peacefully with three or four books on her nightstand, 
books that she never completed, but she never dwelled on this thought for long. Instead, she would lick her thumb and turn the page, continuing the cycle. This has been Continuing the Cycle. Written by Stefan Feibel. Narrated by Jenna Sakato. Story edited by Connor Walsh and Harrison Mark. Produced and sound designed by Connor Walsh. To become a patron and support this channel, go to patreon.com slash presents Tales from the Black Box, an anthology series. <laughs>